episode of Modern Day Wizards. I'm Callan Lee, and today I'm speaking with Noah Whit- Whitoff. So is that how you say your name, Whitoff? Is that right? Yep, that's it. Okay. So uh, you, I learned about you through the podcast Assembly of Silence Radio Hour, which is basically a... Uh, I guess a philosophy show um, where people have conversations. Sometimes it's you talking about various things. I'd say it probably goes beyond what people would normally think as philosophy. How would you, how would you characterize what the podcast is? I mean, I, I can I say it's like a free willing uh, philosophical spirituality type of show okay. uh, where, you know, we basically allow the conversation to go where it naturally wants to go. And typically the people who are talking have those interests as either mm-hmm. primary or secondary, you know? Cool. Well, I've been on your show a couple of times and that definitely felt like a good way to do things. And while I generally come to this podcast with a plan, uh, we decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in um, line with the assembly science attitude. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, my, so before I, before I uh, before we started having this call, I re-listened to your episode that you did, the solo episode recently, the rainy night episode. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. And and that's that just seems like such a a perfect conversation, a thing to go into right now. Not just because you know it'd be interesting for other people, but because I don't, you know, you make some really good points in that, and it's I don't really know what to think myself. You know, I'm someone who takes this natural law perspective and yet you're kind of making a case for evil is necessary and natural. And then it's like, I don't know, there's that confusion there. So um, (laughs) do you, do you think you could sum up that podcast episode in like two minutes? (laughs) So people who haven't heard it kind of know what that was. Probably not. Yeah. I don't really remember what I said. I remember the feeling uh, okay, so I don't so really they, remember what that whole thing was about. You were talking about you can the give current me state a, of the world, the current state of the world, and how it seems like we're basically being presented with a choice, and this choice is you know get universal basic income, but you have to give up freedoms, and and your case is basically look, this is a natural thing that happens in nature, uh, bacteria or whatever they got. Uh, enough of them and that they were affecting the environment in a way that they had to turn recursive on themselves and they grouped up and formed uh, organisms like us. I mean, we're basically made up of that. And so you're basically making Mm -hmm. a case. This is a natural thing that happens and maybe we should compromise with this, whatever it is, this thing that wants to control humanity and, (laughs) you know, take what it's offering and give up as little as we can, but we're going to have to give up some things. And I have, does that seem like a good synopsis of, of the episode? Does that sound right? Well, I'd, I'd say that, you know, when we're talking about we, that there's a number of different layers to that. And so we are all human beings, uh, but we all have different relationships with the uh, types of control structures, you know, the basically uh, nation states, corporations, the various things that are essentially controlling uh, human uh, activity. Uh, And so to the degree to which we're integrated into those things is the degree to which we're going to be uh, uh, captured, I guess you could say. But I think that on on a very general level, it would, you know, we have to admit that over the course of history, there's been ever greater emphasis placed on uh, capturing the the population at large uh, to avoid all kinds of chaos that happens when the population isn't captured. So I think you know what why? happened. In, is that oh why? yeah? I mean, I think if you take a look at what happened. Prevent- yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the social revolutions that, you know, let's say started maybe with uh, the French Revolution, um, it was a very idealistic. The, the kind of the overall pattern within revolutions is there's a lot of idealism. We're going to overthrow these bastards who have been keeping us down. And, you know, quite often they are bastards who are keeping people down and making life pretty miserable. And they, they aggregate power and they make things uh, really bad uh, for reasons that are 
suspect, right? So, so quite so often greed the, gets involved. That's the perspective of the that's people the, who are carrying out the revolution, but it's not really the perspective of the people who are making that revolution come to pass. You know, we well, well that's, often, that's often true. Yeah, absolutely. So there are all kinds of players get involved once that ball starts rolling. And, uh, and it gets ugly. You know, if you take a look at the, the reign of terror and then uh, Napoleonic Wars and you take a look at what happened in the Soviet Union, you know, pretty much uh, Stalin and the, the purges and the gulag. And you take a look at what happened in communist China, you know, many millions of people, tens of millions of people died as a result of these revolutions. And, and so I think that every government has all that in the back of their mind. Just like every president who gets into office goes, oh yeah, John Kennedy was killed. You know, like there's this kind of sense of, I mean, I think in general power is always thinking about, well, how do I protect my ass so that I don't get, you know, because you basically become a target once you're in power. So, and unfortunately, I mean, my sense of it, and I think probably one of the points that I made in that uh, monologue is that population is the driver here. You know, we're talking about uh, the characteristics of a network that change according to the number of nodes in the network. And so the more human beings there are on the planet, the more nodes of consciousness there are to manage, the more mouths there are to feed. And this becomes an incredibly complex technical task and a lot of infrastructures in place to try to deal with all these things. And if people get really unruly and start destroying everything, well, it, it turns into chaos for everyone. That's kind of the lesson of the social revolutions. And so, so now you have these sort of, yeah, go ahead. The, so there's the, the revolutionaries, which would be, you know, the young Black Lives Matter or whatever right now, like this is what they are. I and mean, they have an idea yeah. of what they're doing and what their goal is and what the problem is. And right. then there's the people who people say like George Soros, or I would say people we probably don't even know who are ma manufacturing this situation on both sides to try and get something to happen. And their goals, their concerns, I would guess, are not the same as the revolutionaries. Right. So right. they're not, are they concerned? Is their concern specifically that humanity is ruining the planet? Do you think that that's the hidden powers concern? I think maybe it's probably part of it. That's probably part of it. I think that uh, if you take a look at policy, you know, since the club of Rome, there's been this understanding that we're having uh, a serious impact on the natural world and that that can only go on for so long. There is a kind of uh, end game. In, at play and you know fossil fuels only last for so long the fertility of the soil uh, gets depleted over time there's some real uh clusterfucks on the way you know so anyone with half a brain in a position of power is going to be thinking about these things and trying to uh manage for them in one way or another now whether they have the the uh concerns of the people at large at heart i imagine there's a few that do I, I, it's hard to say you know it's very difficult to really uh, tease out motivation when it comes to these things and in some ways maybe it's best to kind of look at it like you would look at any species that's populating and causing difficulty within its own environment and not worry too much about the individual players because uh, on some level it's all still happening within the natural world you know we are basically a, a species that was a bit too successful <laughs> in in evolutionary terms and have caused a lot of problems for ourselves and now we're having a real sticky time trying to negotiate it all so my difficulty with this i basically agree and i have no problem with the idea of individuals becoming part of a collective as long as it's voluntary but at the moment it doesn't really seem like it's voluntary because basically it's through lies like we're being told things which are not the case in order to manipulate us into this and we're being asked to do things like inject ourselves with things which which modify our own gene expression which we have no control over which hasn't even been tested which also by the way is having all kinds of side effects with lots of different people and if I if we don't go along with that, then you know I think it's getting to the point that you know you're not going to be able to buy food or anything like that. So, is it really? I don't know. 
I mean, it may well, be that you won't be able to travel. It may be that there'll be certain, you know, restrictions on, you know, what buildings you can enter and that kind of thing. It's hard to say. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. I think that there's enough people on the other side of the spectrum that it's not just going to, like, get implemented wholesale. But we'll see. It's hard to so say. Do you, do you think that human rights are, like, a fundamental thing, like, that God gave us certain human certain rights, which like, like the right to travel, like, for example, or do you see it as more like, well, this is something that one side is going to fight for and the other side is not going to care so much and it's all going to even out in the end and balance itself out. Well, as far as God given is concerned, uh, my sense is that God gives us life and, and then it's our determination what to do with it. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be in situations that allow us to make the kinds of choices that we would necessarily necessarily want to make. Quite often, we get put into circumstances that are incredibly difficult. And if you take a look at the kinds of things that people have been dealing with over the course of history, the difficulty goes to extremes that we can barely imagine having grown up in this country at the time that we did. So, you know, that's the natural flow of history, if you ask me, that fundamentally we're all being placed into a circumstance of which we have a very limited degree of control. And sometimes we're faced with choices that are pretty stark. And and ultimately, you know, yeah, a lot of people are going to make a choice on the basis of self-protection and a, a feeling of like, well, this is the safest way to go. But of course, it's a choice. You don't have to make that choice, as you are well aware. You've made a number of choices to go a different way, and there are costs to that. And, and you know, ultimately, you just don't get to have your cake and eat it too. There's, there's difficult choices to be made at every step along the way, and the consequences are difficult to uh, predict. Well, so we have a sense like, of what the possibilities are. There's consequences for me. Like if I decide not to use a bank or if I decide not to get a vaccine when there's mandates to go into a grocery store or something like that, these are private businesses who can decide what, what to do. And if I'm not going along with their system, then that's my choice and I don't get the benefits. Right. But what about things like travel? Like you said, travel, I won't be able to travel. Well, who's, who's to say no one owns this planet. And I live on this planet and I have the right to travel as much as a deer or a lion or anything. Well, a deer and lion have, have both rather, you know, serious restrictions on where they can travel at this point. You know, not but only because not of human... By, it's not enforced by another being. With, at well, the lion isn't going to like swim, swim across the ocean. You know, there are natural built-in boundaries that, that cause there to be limitations on what... You know, I'm always amazed at like what my dogs can't do you know well, they, they can they can run all the property i'm not talking about capability but it's, it's, it's not, a it's natural it's... extension capability is part of it because some of it is like uh you know you're not going to go into a den of snakes right so you could have you have the capability to do that but anyone in their right mind unless that's the kind of challenge you're really looking for is going to avoid the den of snakes so that's a natural thing. There, there are natural creatures with a certain, you know, capability to defend themselves and to cause harm. And so you're going to avoid them. And that's basically like what the powerful are. The powerful are uh, uh, people who have the capability to do great harm and they have their lines of demarcation and you cross them and you're risking getting whacked. It's, you know, render and seize it. So we all have, you know, some domain within which we can travel freely. And if it's just your apartment, well, that's better than a jail cell. You know what I mean? Like there are conditions that people have been in that are unspeakably horrible, you know, where their, their ability to exercise any degree of freedom has been basically completely robbed from them. So I wouldn't make too many assumptions about where this is heading. You know, it looks like it could be pretty bleak and horrifying. And I'm not saying that it won't be, but I wouldn't assume that that's how it's going to be. You know, I think people quite often start protesting about what things are going to be before it's happened. And that tends to, like, give the people who are poo-pooing the whole thing some ammunition. And then it makes it even easier for it to go to that next level of horror, you know? 
So really, it's a difficult thing to navigate when it comes to a a public dialogue about these things, because quite often when you make an objection that seems reasonable, when you're speculating about what may occur, uh, other people can use that as fodder against you and as a fodder against that whole perspective, kind of dismiss it as a power. We all know that all the things that were being dismissed as paranoia like 20 years ago have now come to fruition. So you got to wonder the extent to which like promoting the idea that we're in real trouble now because, you know, sort of the Alex Jones approach to things where, yeah, this is, they're all going to come and get us and they're going to round us up and put us into camps and all that kind of shit. It's like, yeah, maybe it's not like that hasn't happened before, but you saying that and you predicting that without it having happened yet isn't necessarily helping the cause, dude. You know? Well, why is that not helping the cause? Isn't it important to be aware of that possibility? Well, but because the you know these are sophisticated players and they can use arguments that sound crazy as a way of dismissing. Uh, things just as easily as some people might be freaked out by it. You know, think about what Alex Jones has actually functioned as uh, over the course of his career in the last 20 years, right? I mean, he's been someone who has, let's say, opened people's minds to a variety of possibilities that are quite frightening and some of which seem quite plausible. But at the other hand, he's been this radical uh, agent for, um, what's the word, for casting doubt and for uh, a, a level of absurdity and kind of um, I'm searching for the right word and my adult mind is unable to come up with it. He's basically someone who, uh, who discredits a lot of very reasonable arguments on the basis of association. You know, th- there are enough clips of him losing his mind and, you know, whether or not that's part of his of his shtick, like whether that's uh, what he's paid to do, you know, quite often he seems to me like someone who is a classic double agent, who's really not, not necessarily uh, purely the guy who he's putting forth, presenting, you know. I don't know, of course, but I think that a lot of his, uh, a lot of his broadcasts are counterproductive because they're, they're, presenting an argument that can so easily be used to tar and feather the people who believe it. So what good is it doing? Well, I still think it's doing a lot of good. I, I see what you mean by having a polarizing effect or, um, you know, creating this group of people in the world who are kind of charged with a certain viewpoint, which is kind of conflict oriented or like, us against them oriented, but I still see, I mean, that's, that's, a, yeah. I think not, well, maybe it is most of the people who listen to Alex Jones. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of people in, in real <laughs> yeah, life who, talk, so. who listen to Alex Jones. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're in, you know, on a very basic level, like a philosophical level, let's say if we're, if we're seeking to understand, then ideally we don't want to demonize anyone. We want to try to understand the the conditions that lead people to behave the way they do and the way, and fundamentally power has an environmental impact just like anything else. We all know the, the old uh, wisdom saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And corrupt, you know, what exactly does that mean? Well, I mean, on some level, it means that they're no longer part of the body politic. They're standing apart from it to some degree out of necessity because they're at risk every time they enter the body politic and they see themselves as being separate from it. And they are, that's what power does that you can't really exercise power. If you're part of, you know, we, we, there were efforts made to try and prevent this. Like the whole idea of the Republic was to avoid uh, being under the thumb of another monarchy, but power is power. It has its its inexorable uh, properties, and and it's very much a, a natural uh, byproduct. You know, sort of like in the body, there are cells that have capabilities that other cells don't have. You know, like for instance, in the pineal gland, that those are cells that stick around for the entire life of the body. All the other cells are replaced every seven years. Hmm. You know why? Right. 
uh, you have stem cells that are capable of doing all kinds of, uh, of different things where most cells are basically restricted in their, in their activity. So when you have large aggregations that are specialized and require a lot of uh, interconnectivity and, and dedication to task and that kind of thing, yeah, there's going to be differences that are unfair and unpleasant to consider when it comes to uh, contemplation of what liberty is. But in a certain sense, you could say like people who are in positions of power are imprisoned in ways that we can't even imagine. So it's not all that clear cut. You know, the, the, there are times when horrible decisions have to be made and the people who are in the position to make those decisions are radically unfortunate on many different levels. But that's what uh, hubris gets you, you know? <laughs> it's like, there you are. So I want to understand... Not an ideal where, situation. I want to understand where your lines are. So as, as we form this hive mind, which the internet sort of allows us to form, and we're offered things mm. like universal basic income or assured food and stuff like that, what... What do you see as you're willing personally to give to give up for that? Like, are you willing to give up your right to say yes or no to an injection, which you don't know anything about, right? It's just some people somewhere decided that everyone should have this and you're one of those people. So you have to get it. Is that, is that a, uh, a decision for yourself, which you're willing to give to someone else to make? Uh. Well, I think that it, it is our decision at this point. They don't yet have capture to the degree that they can make all the decisions for us. I mean, but, I don't think the goons are going to come around and pin you down. That's what and, they and, want, that there are definitely people who want that, that to be the situation, that there's just everyone's vaccinated and that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, that does seem to be the way uh, a number of uh, global elite want to see things happen and people down down the chain as well there are probably a bunch of uh health experts and what have you uh who think that that should be the policy but there's enough disagreement that i don't think that that's going to be a, an effective plan at this stage but, but that's not the question the question is are you willing to is that something you'd be willing to give up in this compromise that you're making well no i i'm i'm not gonna take the injection for you know, the situation that I'm in presently, uh, that would not be a choice that I would make. No. Now, I don't know what would have to change in order for me to see that that would be a, a, a deal I'm willing to take. But right now, no, I, I wouldn't take that deal. But everyone's going to have that choice. What if you couldn't go to the grocery store? I don't know. I'm not in that situation. It's difficult to, to predict how I would respond to that. You know, like, for instance, I know some people who have already taken the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's not even a vaccine, but that's what they're calling it. So, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of uh, an outrage. So, I guess over the course of the next year, we'll get to see some of the side effects. We don't know what the long-term side effects are going to be. Now, uh, am I in favor of this whole approach? No. I think it's a disaster. But... Um, but there's a lot of things that I'm not in favor of and that doesn't stop them from being implemented. So I have to deal with them because that's the world that we're living in. So if over the course of the next few years, I see that most people don't seem to have any kind of real reaction to it. And there's some reason that I feel like, okay, I really do want to be able to travel. Maybe I'll take the vaccine. I mean, I probably won't unless I really have to, unless there's some kind of, uh, urgent need to do so. Um, I think that quite likely there will be uh, side effects. But, you know, like speaking just from a selfish point of view, I'm someone who's uh, in the later part of my life, you know, I, I don't know how much longer I have to live, but I've, I'm in my 50s now. And, and so I've had um, a good long life already. And, and I don't feel like I necessarily need to protect it that much. You know, um, 
I, I'm not planning on having kids. So if it screws with my DNA, uh, I don't have to worry about that too much. Um, so, you know, okay, for me personally, it's not a huge issue, but I think that for it, humanity in large, it could be a huge issue. Let's, let's make it less personal. So if we're comparing okay. a society, which is in one society, they're basically equal, except for the one difference is that in one, everyone gets to decide anything for themselves relating to medical situations, for example, the vaccine. And in the other, it's that the decision is made by the CDC or some appointed group of people who a majority think are experts. Like, do you see those as, well, you know, who knows? One's going to have some benefits and one's going to have another and we don't really know. Or can you objectively say one society is better than the other? Well, I would be in favor of the society that would allow people to make the choice Uh, I think that even in the society where people are not allowed to make the choice, the choice is still there. And it's just a question of whether or not people recognize that. Now, again, the consequences might be severe, but the choice is still fundamentally there. They don't have the point where they can flip a switch and get people to just submit to whatever it is they want to do. So I think that, that in some ways, what we're advocating for in general is for people to remember that they have a choice. And, and to be aware that those choices can have serious consequences, but that fundamentally that is our God-given right, is to make a choice. So then there's, we always have the choice, no matter what situation we're put in. For, so for example, if we're being tortured to give our consent to get vaccinated, you're saying we still have a choice. Yes, we do. But obviously, most people will make the choice that will stop the torture. But there are people in history who made the other choice. But the world is, wouldn't you say the world is better in a situation where people aren't being pressured in that way? Well, I don't know what the consequences are if... uh, if authority doesn't pressure its population to do what it wants. I don't really know what a world would be like without that. We can only speculate, but it's definitely not the world we're living in. And as far as I can tell, it's never been the world we've been living in. Power has always asserted its influence. We would have to go way, 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 way back into prehistory where there were little groups, but even within that, I bet you there was a bully. And I bet you well, he was course. trying to get shit to happen the way he wanted it to be. The two elements are always going to be there. But when we, we know if we go down one side too far, you know, the oppressive side, that that's going to be shitty for a lot of people. And you're saying maybe if we go down the other side too far where everyone's free, that'll be shitty for some reason, which we don't understand because we haven't seen it yet. Do you well, I'm saying actually- I'm not saying that I'm not saying that um, that everyone being free would necessarily be bad. I'm just saying there's no precedent, and that freedom fundamentally, if we're going to go back to kind of a, a natural way of looking at things, there are barriers and limitations that are built into the configuration of material existence, and that right, freedom is is always. Freedom, which is hindered by other... But freedom is always... Well, yeah, but then we get back to the layer of snakes. It's like you can go in there if you want to, right? But that's a, a form of consciousness that has consequences for interacting with it. And it's the same thing within human society. And it's always been the same thing in human society. So, you know, yes, there are people who say, okay, screw it. I'm just going to do what I think I need to do. And sometimes they get burned at the stake. It's just the way it is, right? Now, we can imagine a world without that, but I am really hard-pressed to think that that would ever come about because everyone would have to abide by rules that they don't have to abide by. But we're pushing, we're always pushing in that direction. I mean, you may come across your your wife getting raped by someone and you're going to fucking shoot that guy in the head. Because you're, you're trying to move away from that 
towards something else. And maybe we can't perfectly get to the per- perfect version of that. There's always going to be some element of rascality going on, but it doesn't mean we don't know which direction to move. Well, we have, you know, a, an understanding of civil society and we have, I mean, hopefully we still have an understanding of civil society. I'm not so sure about that anymore, but you know, I do believe that the classical liberal project was one where people would have uh, common sense in the sense of a common understanding of what kind of rules allow for there to be a decent society where people can uh, exercise their um, capabilities to, you know, pursue happiness in life, if you like, without uh, unfair hindrance and oppression. And clearly, it has not been uh, evenly applied. There have been all kinds of um, errors along the way, and certain people have gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to that type of thing. But nevertheless, the ideas were something that were held as being uh, fundamental to our system of social governance. And we're losing that. And I think we're losing that to some extent because of the errors that were made and because of the, the groups that were left out. And, and to some extent, well, that's natural. That's probably how it should go. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that the whole, you know, if things continue in the direction they're heading now, it'll probably be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's, uh, it's a dangerous thing it seems to, like, to to tinker with that stuff. It seems like you're making the is ought. I think it's a fallacy. I'm not sure. But the is ought problem, you're basically saying nature is a certain way. So that's the way we ought to allow it to be. I mean, do, do you... You're, you're breaking up a little bit. Could you say that again? I couldn't quite hear what you said. It seems like you're making the is-ought mistake. You're basically saying nature is a certain way, so that's sort of the way it ought to be, or we shouldn't try and, you know, improve it or in any way. Like, it's, it's almost like you, like, do you believe that, I mean, do you believe in rights? Do, do you believe that I have the right to, I mean, does, it, does the word rights even, like, register as something that means anything to you? Uh, I, I, I don't think that um, we shouldn't try to make the world a better place. I think that we should always strive for the best possible outcome, but I think we also have to be realistic. I think we have to see what precedent tells us. We have to see what the present configuration is and whether or not there's any likelihood that we're going to be able to bring about the types of things that we're petitioning for. And... Um, and as far as rights are concerned, I think that it's a, a fundamental right to choose. That's, that's what I really think is at the core of it all. And so, yeah, we all have the right to choose what we believe to be is the ethical and correct approach, and, and God willing, that catches on. But I think we also have to be very clear-eyed about the world that we're living in and, and the way that the world has been throughout history. I think idealism has a way of taking people over and the consequences of it typically become more terrible because they tend to motivate people. Everyone wants to live in paradise. Everyone wants to live in uh, an ideologically pure environment. And look at what's happened as a consequence of that. I mean, the Nazis had a beautiful vision of what was going to happen. It didn't work out. But all of these, all of these things that haven't worked out, they've, they've tried to make what they were trying to build through coercion, but through forcing other people to go along with it. Do you think that that's the only way yeah, that things can move in that direction? Is that su- some large group has to force some other people to play their game? Well, do we have any example where it hasn't been that way? That's the the problem. You know, even in the early church, you had so much diversity that, you know, basically Paul was spending all of his time arguing with people about how you're supposed to behave in a church. And, you know, the chaos of that whole period is what uh, led to the uh, exclusion of certain types of texts that were considered to be too confusing and dangerous. And, you know, the, the, the problem that human beings have always had is how do you organize large numbers of people? And quite often, it's like if, it's a, if everyone has the freedom to think of things the way they want, it just turns into a very confusing mess. And, and you get opportunists who enter the fray. It's like the frickin' Festy situation. You, just you know, said it's like it, it's all... You said that it turns into a mess, but you also said that we haven't actually seen that situation. So you, you were hesitant to make 
assumptions about oh, what we, it looked like. We've seen the mess. Like we've seen the mess. <laughs> we've seen the mess many times. We've never seen a situation where, where everyone has the autonomy to make whatever kind of decision they want, and you have kind of like a, a decentralized peer-to-peer uh, way of everyone finding their own path with their own understanding and it being a coherent social order. Uh, we've never seen that. We've always seen people battling on the uh, you know intellectual and social co- coercion front to try to get their ideas to be the organizing principles that get set up. And it's messy as well. And there have been a lot of um, wars fought over these types of things, you know, both large scale and kind of, you know, symbolic wars, wars of words, if you like. Uh, But, you know, maybe this new technology will provide us with the the capacity to have that kind of uh, individual sovereign type of, uh, of world moving forward. But I would imagine that it would be... Well, kind of what it is, relatively incoherent. <laughs> and, you know, to the extent to which we can do something useful with it is, you know, yet to be proven. Because unfortunately, coherency is what gives things power. And so groups that have great uh, levels of coherency are capable of accomplishing a lot more than relatively incoherent groups. So I wonder to what extent the, the sort of... Uh, ideal of the netizen as an individually autonomous person who can make their own decisions, believe what they want to believe, and interface with everyone else in a kind of glorious, like, Aquarian um, uh, social structure. Will that be able to survive the groups that are far more um, demanding of their subjects? You know, how do you protect yourself from something that's as uh, ideologically driven as militant Islam, right? Or, or the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, it seems that fundamentally the groups which uh, ascend to power are the ones which have a high degree of coherency. So there would have to be some sort of like defense mechanism that all these individuals would have to agree upon and we would all have to run to each other's rescue even though uh we quite often would be all disagreeing with each other about everything (laughs) you know so you know how does this how does this peer-to-peer reality um function and and uh in in when it's exposed to the kinds of things that we know are out there, that, that we know that these types of social organizations, I mean, never mind like, you know, the elite. So, you know, the elite have their own uh, cohesive way. You know, some people talk about it in terms of like control files and Epstein and that whole deal. You know, that's a pretty heavy duty way of going about getting discipline within a group. And, you know, as ugly as it is, it's like those are, those are people who are going to freaking do what they're told and accomplish goals, even, even though it's, I mean, I, I think it's horrible and I think it's very self-destructive, but nevertheless, it's, it's a force to be reckoned with. It's like, th- this thing is not going to go away, you know? <laughs> so that would be my question to anyone who really wants to try to uh, bring about, let's say this uh, Aquarian individual, um, uh, the individual sovereign netizen, something like that. I'm not sure how to, how to, I mean, on the web, great, but yeah, we're, we're still living in reality to some extent. How does that work? So it seems like you would agree that things as they get more totalitarian, you know, where if we're in the star Wars universe, the it's the current stage where the empire basically has wiped out most of the rebel Alliance and it's that phase, you know, and then, it, you know, it, it ebbs and wanes. The totalitarian world is worse for a larger amount of people than, like, if we're at the point where people are getting taken out of their house and taken to concentration camps, forced vaccinated, or just killed, or whatever like that, like a large amount of the population, that's really bad. And then as we lower the amount of that, that that's, that, that that's, that that, 
that 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 that's happening, that things are getting better, right? Would you agree with that? Less people going to concentration camps, getting killed or vaccinated against their will is good. Society is moving towards a better place. I mean, you know, there are, there are, um, okay. So take the communist party in China, right? So they locked people in, in buildings and, and they're, they're pretty fricking hardcore when it comes to controlling the population. So they've clamped down big time on people's, uh, freedom of movement, but supposedly, and again, maybe the data is skewed. Maybe we don't really know what the hell's going on there. But supposedly, they really don't have the same kind of problem with COVID there that we have here. And, you know, we can go into all the freaking rabbit holes about COVID and what have you. But, you know, there, there are things like one, one thing I heard recently that was like, okay, so people in China have basically given up a, an awful lot of freedom in, in order to function in that system. And basically what the government has said is um, in exchange for, for your participation, we're going to meet certain goals. So we're going to like make sure that, that we're able to accomplish this or that, uh, you know, military type of achievement, uh, various social programs, uh, farming, you know, all these various types of real types of, uh, you know, infrastructural aspects of things. And they've delivered on a lot of that. So, you know, if you think about the kinds of sacrifices that people have made over the course of history in order to, like, have enough social cohesion to be able to withstand the difficulties of the times that they're living in, it's like, well, yeah, freedom is a beautiful idea, but it often doesn't end up being all that functionally um, effective, you know, and, and I'm really not sure the degree to which freedom has ever been truly part of a political system. It's part of a political ideology, right? But I mean, to what extent have we really been free, even in this country, which is supposedly the we, beacon of freedom? When we talk about freedom, you seem to be thinking about it as an extreme, like we've, there's, there's a difference between that we're in a, we're in China and everything's totalitarian and, you know, 15% of the population gets taken away randomly to go to, to camps and killed or whatever. And then, or we have another situation where that's not happening. That is a move towards freedom. And so you can't say freedom, moving towards freedom has historically been, you know, chaotic or it hasn't worked. I mean, that's just, it's just not true. I mean, this idea of a perfect well, I mean, you know, freedom, of course not. We, we've had a degree of freedom here in this country. And we have some major infrastructural problems. There's an awful lot of things that just haven't been done properly. But I'm not worried about getting, or anyone I care about, getting pulled <laughs> into a concentration camp, right? I mean, I feel like you're intellectually lying. I mean, just like, well, in a way you like, are. I mean, what no, you've been saying me, you. is that... Well, no, you've been saying that you are afraid of people being pulled into a concentration camp. You're afraid of people being like restricted in their movements, and you're afraid of people being given a vaccine against their will, right? Yeah. So you're afraid that that's that, a worse that world. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm not saying that I like any of this stuff. I don't like it at all. You know, I don't like it one bit. But, but we have to take it. a look at. Well, I'm saying that if you're going to understand what what ha- has been happening to humanity and what's happened throughout history, then we have to have a degree of of um, uh, detachment from from the circumstance because basically we're just reacting otherwise and saying i don't like this so would you, and it's like would you, nature nature's never really cared about what we like and the consequences are really the things that are are most difficult to wrestle with because you, the consequences of let me just finish that statement the consequences of people being able to do whatever they want typically end in uh, a messy situation so you, you end up having, well, people who are taking advantage of a wide range of different uh, um, opportunities, you know, opportunists, right? You have people kind of uh, all kinds of corruption happening. You have all kinds of philandering going on. I mean, typically when people are 
left to do whatever they want, right, you get the wreckage that comes along with that. And that's why traditionally societies have placed limitations on people's behavior. So, right? And you can argue about where those lines should be and how severe they should be. That's but that's just kind of the general here. setup, right? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, but <laughs> let's, start with, let's keep with the first half of this first, which is towards a totalitarian end, <laughs> which we have examples of, and you've, and you're saying that we have examples of freedom causing problems, yet earlier you were saying that we don't know what that looks like. So we should get into that. But can you imagine any situation, or do you think even if you can't imagine, do you think it's possible that there's a situation that the world is in where you would go, yeah, we probably should kidnap randomly and kill or torture 15% of the population because of these benefits, because it will solve this situation for us. Do you think that that is that ever? Going to no, I, I would. would I would okay? never say that. No, I would never you say that. But be, I'm not in a position of power. Wow. I'm not in a position of power. Well, I have no say over those types of things. And if I were in a position of power and I were faced with that, I'd probably like resign or I don't know what I would do. Again, right, I don't know what you know I would that do. It's wrong but, because you know that it's wrong. Uh, I know that it's, um, that the consequences to one's soul for doing those types of things are, uh, you cannot recover from that. That's what I believe. Wrong just means if you have a goal in mind, there's a right way and a wrong way to go. So consequences to your soul seems like a pretty universal, if it's going to be bad, then it's wrong. Well, obviously, you know, people have, um, there's a long tradition of, uh, of thinkers who have uh, basically eliminated, you know, beyond good and evil. You've got the, the, the Nazis who are carrying around copies of the Bhagavad Gita because in the Bhagavad Gita, it basically says that the soul is imperishable and you shouldn't worry about killing people because you cannot destroy what is imperishable. You know, so, so there's all kinds of, of, games that people have played to try to come to terms with that, that uh, dilemma. And, um, you know, again, I think that, that, you know, the history is a nightmare from which we're all attempting to awaken, but that, uh, you know, quite often we're, we're spinning tales that don't have real legs and repeating the same horrible cycles of history because we're uh, unwilling to face up to, to the real situation. And the real situation is not pleasant. It's, a, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances that lead to horrible choices. And thank God we don't have to make those choices. But on some level, we do have to make a choice. And it could be a pretty freaking horrible choice. The way that things are going is not good. You know, this is not a great situation. And so we're confronting, you know, everyone, I think everyone has a sense of urgency. It's been building over the last you know, particularly the last couple of years, but I think that since COVID hit, now everyone is on board, like this is an urgent situation and some people who just haven't really thought about it much, it's like their first entry into the sense of, of, wow, the bottom is dropping out, what does the future hold? Those of us who have been thinking about it for a while are more well acquainted with all the various ins and outs to it. But, um, but you know, but this you are, is where the metal, the rubber meets the you, road. If you were in power... And I know that you're not, but we can imagine that you were, and you can imagine how your mind would change. You know, you might know that you will be corrupted by power and all that type of stuff. Do you ever see yourself making the decision where, yes, genocide is worth it? <laughs> God, I don't, I don't know if I can answer that question. You know, honestly, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what happens to people. Look at what happened to Alexandria uh, Cortez, right? Um, she's she's a very idealistic woman who seemed very sincere, you know, and yet somehow or another, they got her to vote for the cares act, which was the biggest upward transfer of wealth ever. And she's been basically like playing both sides of the spectrum now. And it's kind of Nancy Pelosi's little pet. You know, she seemed like a real nice, nice girl, you know, like very idealistic, smart, you know, and it only took a couple of years being in office and she's just like another Democrat now. So, so what the hell would happen case? to me if I was, I'm just saying that, that you can't separate the individual from the environment. 
so then people, you're saying people who get into power are going to almost certainly be corrupted and therefore will always be led by corrupt people. And you just yeah. don't, you just don't believe that it's possible for that not to be necessary. Well, I mean, there's that scene where, you know, the first king, the people, the people go to God and they're like, hey, we need a king. We're, things aren't working out so well here. And God is like, you know what? You really don't want one. And they're like, yeah, we want one. <laughs> it, it's not a good situation. Power, look, it's differential, right? It's a power differential that happens within the same species. Now, normally that would be, you know, like in the natural world, you would have some power differential depending upon you know, size, energy, assertiveness, but the kind of power differential that exists within our species now is like, it's almost immeasurable. How, how can you, the, the kind, you and I are at a very low level of power when it comes to the material world, right? The people who ha- are able to exercise power in the material world can do things that are fucking unbelievable and horrifying, and they can do it, and they do do it. You know, that's the world. I don't like it, but, but that's so, the world we're in. Don't you see, <laughs> I mean, don't you agree you're making the is ought mistake or fallacy or whatever it's called? No, I'm not saying it ought to be this way. I'm saying it is this way. I'm not yeah, saying it if, ought to be this way. Okay, but would you, you wouldn't say it that's ought up to be to, different? Well, I would say that it would be nice if it was different. So it ought to be. Wouldn't wouldn't it be lovely if it was different? But we all ought, want things to be nicer. You know, like you ought, ought. when you say, if your goal yeah, is ought for is to be you know, nicer, then we ought not put people into concentration camps and murder them. Yeah, we, it, 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 you know, the the should implies that it's reachable. You know, so so when you say it, it ought to be this way. It means that, well, that would be a way that could be done. Okay, it is possible to not have concentration camps. Agreed? I think we've had some periods of time where there have not been concentration camps, but I honestly don't know the history of the world well enough to know whether that's actually true. But my my hope is that, yes. There's always people who are in situations (laughs) like that. You know, even in the United States, there's trafficking. It's basically a similar thing, but it's not large-scale China harvesting people's organs because of the religion, right? There's a difference well, between we did have, China. Well, in the United States, we did have large numbers of Chinese who were forced to work on the railroads. I mean, they, they sort of weren't forced in a way, but, but they were. And yeah, but that's not they were, as concentration camps, right? We would agree with they that. Were forced to live, they were forced to live underground, if they were caught above ground when they weren't working, it was legal to shoot them. If okay, you go to Pendleton just, here in Oregon, I agree. Right, that's you can go I see. Agree. I agree. <laughs> okay, it's I agree basically a freaking concentration camp. But what we're trying to, what all I'm saying is that yes, at one point that was in America. We're not saying that. We're saying that at right now in America, that's not a problem, and in China, it is a problem, and it's better here because that's not a problem. <laughs> You know, I think that there have been some recent incidents. I mean, you could make the case that basically well, the, the wage slave is get, is a kind of, I mean, the kind of the kind of situation that some people are living in here is. But that's not yeah, our, our organ probably right? better than a concentration camp, but it's harvesting. Things organ harvesting. <laughs> Wasteland. <laughs> I know, yes. yeah. We're moving in a better direction. No, I'm not. direction that way. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, how do we say this? I understand that it sounds like I'm defending the CCP and their practices. <laughs> you know, I'm not defending them. I'm trying to explain them. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between saying, hey, Awesome job, CCP. You guys are like uh, an example of humanity that we should all be proud of. That's one thing. It's another thing to say, well, after the tens of millions of people who died in the communist revolution, the kinds of things that are going to happen to a society where they're going to really, really be 
very motivated to prevent a population from rising up and that people who are going to be less cooperative in whatever system it is that happens to get uh, instituted are going to be treated with harsh uh, methods. It's like, we don't know what it was like to live through the communist revolution. And when you look at what happened there and you think about what happens to people psychologically who make it through that, and then you think about the paranoia of the people who are in power, who are recognizing this is a population who just a couple of generations ago completely overthrew everything. It's like, well, then it gives you an understanding of the situation. It's not a great situation, but you're describing, well, this is what the fuck happened. But I'm not trying. So I agree that looking at it as this is why things turned out that way is valuable, but that's not the question I'm asking. That's not what I'm getting at. It's yes, we understand China got into that situation, but also, and this is the part that I'm talking about, the fact that they are organ harvesting people, holding them in concentration camps based on the religion, and the whole society basically ignores it, is messed up and not good. And we both agree on that. Yeah. Well, I think that this gets down to, you know, uh, the value of things depends upon the degree to which they're rare. Now, unfortunately, in a densely populated world, the value of human life goes down. This is a, this is a, a fundamental law of, of nature. In the minds of humanity. In the minds of no, humanity. And that's I, what we're I talking would, about. I would, but I wouldn't say, I would say the value of hum, human is not based on it, what the hum, humanity thinks about them. Well, in a way it is, because that's how people get treated. You know, like you, you or I might, might you know, the, the fact of the matter is that human society behaves according to the ideas that people have in their heads. And if people start to see each other as just nothing but consuming nodes, which is basically what's happened in this kind of post-consumer world, then that's basically how, how a lot of people view each other. And it's not a pretty picture. So I agree that the, the way the society looks at it affects what happens to that person, but there's a value of that person which exists separately from that idea and the consequences of that idea. Would you agree? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think that every, uh, every node of consciousness is sacred and, and every living thing has its own divine relationship with being. And that that's the, the most important thing that, that life has to offer all of us. Okay, so we can agree it's better to move from organ harvesting to wage slave. Would we agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Now, now we've kind of got that side of the picture. Now, why do you think that it would be dangerous to move too far that way towards individual freedom? And you said that there's no examples, yet you said that there are Every time it happened in history, it was bad. So I want to understand what you're talking about there. Well, I, I, what I was saying is there's no pure example of, of absolute freedom. Well, we're not so talking about freedom. Pure. We can't talk about pure. We can, we're talking about the spectrum. I think that's what, so, yeah. The, the so I think that that's, that's you know, wage slave, more freedom. That's all but I think said. also, you know, I think that you could say that, that uh, every functional society has had limits on, on uh, human behavior. And that, you know, the experiments that have happened where uh, there have been, uh, those, those limits have been reduced or, or, um, or removed are, well, I mean, look at the 1960s. You know, the, 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 the 60s were uh, an era of ex experimentation. And, um, and there's an incredible uh, fallout from the... the um, revolution from the, the use of drugs from uh, the, um, the confusion. I mean, you know, basically go to any festival and just watch what's going on. So you think that it could be worse back in the 60s, like there's the consequences of all this free love and free drugs and all this type of stuff, which we still live with today. What if instead 
they had just been said, nope, you can't do any stuff. And they start throwing people in jail for sleeping with whoever they want or, or taking drugs. And they really cracked down on that thing super, super hard, way harder than they did. And they succeeded. You, you don't think that you don't think that that would have been worse than what we have now? Or you just don't know? I don't think it would have been effective. I think that civilizations go through phases. And because of the, you know, era of affluence post-World War II, uh, the society just didn't have the will to do that. It wouldn't have been effective. There was way too much um, uh, energy in that, in that feeling of freedom. But sometimes and, and you're saying it, sometimes it would have been impossible is, to stop the wave. Some, you're basically implying that it's, in some cases, it is better to stop the wave. I don't think it can be. I think that these are natural patterns that play themselves out. You know, civilizations, they rise and they fall. And, and social structures have the same, uh, you know, basically like a lifespan. You know, quite often there's like a, a, a burst of energy somewhere before the disintegration. And, and that's kind of what the whole, you know, party type of mode is. It's this massive burst of energy uh, expenditure you know, it's, it's, it's lake on the Western side in the postnatal. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's detaching itself from its, from its uh, prior state. And, and it has a great sense of, of potential, but it, it's lost its root. So it, it peters itself out. It blows so, its wad, I mean, man. Th the question was... <laughs> Can the control ever be justified basically because you know what the consequences of freedom will be? So impose the control. And, you, and then you, your response was, well, in that case, the 60s, it was too big of a spike. Too much energy was in that. And I would agree with you. They would maybe not have been able to stop that. But I'm not talking about just the spikes. You know, I'm talking about anything, you know, repressing freedom ahead of time because you think you know what the consequences of that freedom will be. You think sometimes I would say that operations, operations have to be timed uh, according to the, the, the phase that you're in. So there's no point in talking about what a policy would be if it's not uh, appropriate to the time. And, and civilizations go through their phases. They go through their cycles. So all civilizations are going to be built from some kind of sense of structure, some 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 organization of human beings that stations on them and allows for other things. And that over the course of time, there'll be some changes, there'll be adaptations, but at a certain point, it'll no longer be a coherent system. And that's where you enter Babylon, if you like. There's a confusion of tongues. No one knows what's going on. No one understands each other. It's all like individuals scrambling around trying to figure out what the fuck to do. And that's when you have an incoherent society. And that's where basically it no longer has the capacity to even self-correct anymore. And if that doesn't describe where we're at, man, I don't know what does. <laughs> I'm sorry, so, it's 1225. I have to get going pretty soon. Oh, okay. I hate, I hate sure. to do that, but unfortunately, That's okay. I have to go. This has been a really interesting conversation. Is there anything else that, I mean, do we have, I'm sure we have another 20 conversations that came out of this one, but are there loose ends uh -huh. that you want to try to tie up? No, I mean, I feel like, in order to tie that up, we would have to, I need to stop and think and be like, okay, what, how, how do I, yeah, basically it's good to take a break. Uh, I don't feel like this conversation is necessarily over. I'm not satisfied. No, <laughs> okay, good. I think that's excellent. I look forward okay. to the next uh, round. <laughs> do you want to tell people about like where to find what you're doing and that type of stuff? Yeah, I've got a, a podcast, uh, Assembly of Science Radio Hour, which is on iTunes, and uh, I think there's a YouTube channel there too, and I'm going to start posting some videos uh, on there as well, because uh, Colin has convinced me to appear in front of the camera, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen now, so there'll be something to watch on that Assembly of Silence uh, YouTube channel. I've got a Taiji Reality, T-A-I-J-I-R-E-A-L-I-T-Y, another YouTube channel that focuses on a theory about the ancient trigram and Bagua system, ancient Chinese symbolic system that I think is very interesting. Uh, I do music on a channel called the mayor of oblivion. Did I send you the, the recent scapegoats video? I don't think so. Oh, maybe. Oh, okay. I'll send you a link to that. I'd be curious okay. to know. 
I'd be curious to know what you think about it. And, uh, okay. uh, and I also do uh, charts, uh, which you can find out about at liberationreadings.com. Charts? You mean natal charts? That's correct. Natal charts. Some people call it astrology, but I think that word is terrible. So I don't try not to use the word. All right. And you've given me a natal chart. It's pretty darn interesting. I've had uh, readings before and um, your perspective, uh, it makes more sense, you know, and it feels more, I don't know, approachable, less out there. So anyways, yeah, I think that's, and cool. you have some videos Thank on you. that on Taiji reality as well. So it's not just the Bagua on that channel. That's true. Yep. That's right. All right. Cool. Awesome. Well, looking forward to next time. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thanks very All much, right, Tom. Good. It's great to see you.